Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Terry Ishi, and uh, welcome to season two. I'm here with Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hey, Alan, good to be yeah. with you guys. Yeah, yeah. And then we have a, a new guest. Uh, this is going to be the season of new guests and new stars. And so uh, Brooklyn Colburn uh, from New York City is uh, on the podcast with us today. So Brooklyn, how are you doing? Good. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. How's New York City? So, so, so hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to thunderstorm here in a little bit, I think. So we're feeling that heat spike, which is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, I was having a conversation with uh, Ryan, who's also in New York. Uh, he was telling me one of the, the, the eeriest things is walking down uh, Park Avenue at like six o'clock in the evening and not a single car on the street. So... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like dystopian future kind of environment, but you guys are doing all right, though? Yeah, it's been, been pretty good back to work, so kind of figuring out new scheduling and rhythms and that kind of thing. Awesome. Bradford, how's, uh, how's Tennessee? Tennessee's good. Yeah, kids are back at the school, although my kids are all doing virtual, so that's kind of interesting. Three different kids with all kinds of computers uh, all over the place. Uh, three different schools, got a high schooler, a middle schooler, and an elementary schooler. That's fun to manage, uh, but Tennessee's good. Uh, still figuring out the virus. Um, uh, you know, you figured by season two we'd be done with it, but we're not. We're still going. So um, it's like season two electric boogaloo here with the virus because we just hit our spike that New York had back in March. We're hitting our spike now. So good times. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best of times. So, yeah, we're doing well. Uh, Austin is hot. And so we're we're rocking 105, 104 uh, consistently. So uh, just it's everything's about walking from one air conditioned room to another. And so minimizing your time in the heat. But we're good. School has not started for us. We got an extra three weeks off. And so we start uh, virtually, digitally uh, in a couple of weeks. And so we're enjoying the last uh, couple of days of, of summer. So, but yeah, I'm excited that we're back. And uh, we have a, uh, uh, a whole line of uh, fun stuff set up for the podcast this season. And we're going to do things a little differently. And so uh, many of you, if you're listening, and you listen to season one, you're like, stop talking, get to the interview, who are you talking to? What information am I gonna gather? Well, we're gonna do things differently. And so this year, uh, instead of having one podcast uh, once every couple of weeks, uh, where we would have a little bit of kind of discussion uh, on the front end with an interview on the back end, what we've decided to do for season two is we're gonna have three different kinds of podcasts in one podcast stream. So the way that's going to work is we're going to have three different pods. One's going to be called the round table, uh, which this is the first episode of the round table. Um, we're going to have a different type of podcast called the interview, uh, which is super like thought out names, by the way, but uh, <laughs> the interview, and that's going to be what uh, you're most familiar with, where we're going to sit down uh, with some some great uh, people this season um, and talk through some of the things that God is putting in their hearts and their minds and what they're learning 
and they're wanting to teach others. And so we're excited about that. And we're putting together our, our wish list and knocking down uh, calendar dates to interview and record. So that's exciting. And then we have a third podcast uh, and it's going to be called The Story. And basically it is, it's kind of a, an, a dessert, a nightcap, an amuse-bouche, if you might, uh, just a small little taste of what it, what it, what it means uh, or what, what life looks like when your life is impacted by Forge. And so we're excited about sharing these things with you. And as we go through the season, we'll, you'll, we'll, you'll get a taste of it. Uh, we'll explain this better. Uh, and so, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Ishi. You just said a word that I have no idea what it was. It, it sounded like boosh, boosh. I don't know. What did you just say? Nightcap and then a little what? A moose boosh? Oh, uh, I'm a sorry, what? Are, are we going to have no, to you're like... Making, you're making me like uh, question am I saying it right? A moose boosh. Okay. Do you know what that is, Brooklyn? Because I have no idea. Not a clue. Not oh a clue. my gosh. Really? <laughs> is this a Texas thing? No, it's not. It's very not Texas. It's a very fancy New York City thing. I'm surprised Brooklyn oh. doesn't know what it is. Okay, so define it. An amuse bouche is a. It's a. Uh, uh, basically, uh, its basic idea. It's a spoon, and it's an entire meal in one spoon in one taste. So an amuse bouche is. It's often served in a small spoon, and it has all the different elements of an entire meal, but it's in one taste, one bite. So, so basically you've just, one, that sounds incredibly disappointing. Two, all I can think about <laughs> is the chick that turns blue on Willy Wonka. That's all I can think of. Cause that was the gum that she had, right? It was all like Thanksgiving yeah. meal and one piece of gum. That's right. And now yeah, it's a, yeah. a moose bouche. Yeah. I'm sure it's like French or something and I'm probably just butchering it. Um, but sounds very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, usually it's at the, it's, it's the beginning. It's one of the beginner courses of a meal where you'd come out and at a dinner party and is a far amuse bouche and, you know, you would have that taste and it would give you an idea of what you could expect for the rest of the evening. And so, sure. Yeah. We're just going to, we're going to believe you on that one, buddy. I just, to be honest with you, my brain went to some really bad places. Cause I'm like, he just threw a word <laughs> out. That sounds like. I'm not going to tell you what I thought it sounded like. I am excited about the the slate of interviews we do have coming up. And uh, Roland, who's not with us this time because he's actually out camping right now. Roland will be with us on the round table when he could be here. Uh, but he is also taking point on all those interviews. And if I remember right, his first interview is going to be with Michael Frost, uh, one of our founders at Forge. And I'm always excited to hear Michael Frost teach and uh, to hear him talk. Um, uh, but here's the one thing. We had him come to Tennessee several times back in – a couple of years ago, we had him come in, uh, I think three or four times and teach in our faith community. Um, and I will say this, uh, I do the podcast for our faith community for crossings. And I had to lie to iTunes because of Michael Frost, where it says, is this content explicit or not? I had to put no. And because of Michael Frost, that is a flat out lie. But I'll let you figure that out on your own. He's a master of language. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> well, in the South, when you're in the South and you drop a line when you're on a church stage, right? And you drop that that cuss word. I remember looking out in my community going, yeah, okay, let's see who reacted to that. And our community is pretty, I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty cool with it for the most part, but you're still like, okay, let's just see what happens. And uh, I just kind of 
chalk that up to uh he's australian they probably don't even know what he's talking about anyhow they're just like oh he's so cute listen to that accent you know and just moved on but whatever it's fine it'll be great i'm sure it'll be great yeah i just imagine uh old, little old ladies in the back of the church just like fainting and swooning at the the use of the <laughs> word and so that's the picture you painted of crossings for me so thanks yep there you go all right well let's jump into the round table for today and so um one of the things that we're excited to be able to do with a roundtable is to bring a wide variety of topics, uh, really things that are kind of that we're dealing with in our everyday life that have an implication for the everyday mission of God. And so we're going to do that by providing some different topics uh, over this next season, but also providing uh, additional voices. And so one of the things that we're excited about the roundtable is that uh, in the weeks to come in our, our podcast, we're going to have anywhere from four to six voices kind of sharing and speaking in. And we're going to do our best not to talk over one another and, you know, still be friends when it's all said and done. Uh, but we, we really want to have a diverse uh, voice when it comes to kind of addressing some of these things. And so uh, today there's just the three of us, uh, but we do have two old people and one uh, really young person. So we're excited <laughs> about that. Uh, almost to the point where she had to drop the, oh yeah, you, you guys are the, the ages of my parents. And I mean, sorry, I never <laughs> felt old until that moment. And like, I guess I'm old now. So uh, yeah, so uh, let's jump into today's topic. So we're going to start the ne- these, these first couple roundtables talking about culture. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's if you aren't contextualizing the culture around you as you think about mission, you are missing out. I think you're going to step your toe. I think you're going to be uh, just you're, you're going to really screw up what you're trying to do in your community uh, for mission if you don't take that into consideration. So with that said, Alan, you had this word that I'd heard of, but I only had bad uh, you know, thoughts and ideas of this word zeitgeist. And so I guess it's a, like all words are neutral. But context makes them either positive or negative. And so why don't you walk us through the zeitgeist, what that means, and what we're going to kind of discuss today. Yeah, you, did, you didn't tell me that you had negative connotations for oh, this definitely. word. Is it, is it because it's German? Is that what it is? Are you are you wow. some sort of like nationalist? What's going on here? Dude, I, I know you lived in Germany as a kid. I, it's, I mean, no disrespect. No, when I think of zeitgeist, I think of like YouTube videos of like crazy people coming <laughs> up with like, here's what you didn't know about 9-11, you know? It's, All yeah, right, so okay. that's, that's, yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, there's this German word and it just, zeitgeist just means like the spirit of the times. Okay. So that's the the word, the breakdown. And uh, when I really got to thinking about it, I was thinking about this idea of culture and how as Christians, as people who are going to live and act uh, as missionaries in our culture, we really need to be good at understanding our culture, like cultural exegesis, like unpacking what our culture is about. And so this word zeitgeist, it just means, here's the actual definition. It says, the defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history is shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. So you can look back in history and you can say, hey, what is the zeitgeist of the times? I'll give you a a, a brief example. Um, uh, The United States before World War II, part of the zeitgeist was isolationism. You know, it's like we all learned that in history. We wanted to be an isolated country World War II comes along, we fought it and fought the, like, the idea of isolationism. And then we were like, we can't do this anymore. Let's go. 
that's a that's a thirty thousand foot idea of zeitgeist. So I was thinking about it. And I was like, it'd be interesting for us to sit down and discuss and to talk through what do we see as the zeitgeist of our time right now? And we might not be able to completely define it uh, because we're in the middle of it, but we're all kind of seeing things that are happening, especially through the news, through social media, through what's going on in our neighborhoods and our, in our context. And it's like, there's, there are things that are happening now, right? So it'd be good to just take a second look, but to do that, what I'd love to do is do this. Um, I'd love for us to, to define our context, okay? So because that is the lens we're going to be approaching this through. So for example, for me, uh, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. So it's the South, right? It's the buckle of the Bible belt, if you will. Um, been living here uh, for quite some time. Before that, I did. I grew up in Germany, spent 10 years in Germany. Um, and so for me, I live in suburbia. Um, even though my faith community, we meet downtown, I actually live in suburbia. So that's part of my my world. Uh, Knoxville is very uh, predominantly white, pretty middle class, just kind of your typical think Springfield, wherever you think Springfield, right? That is going to be my context. So I'd love to hear your guys' context. Brooklyn, what's your, give us your context, where, where you're coming from. Yeah, so I live in Manhattan um, in New York City. I've been here for two years, um, but before that I grew up in Kansas and went to college in Indiana. So super rooted in Bible Belt, Midwest, Middle America. Um, but when I came to New York two years ago, really jumped into a culture that was super different from what I had been used to, um, work in the restaurant industry. And so get to interact with a lot of really awesome, really different people from me. Um, and so that's opened my eyes to a whole different side of things maybe than what I've been used to or grew up, had grown up with. Um, I'm also in my mid-20s, single, living in Manhattan. So I think that in of itself is a, a particular to my context and how I interact with the world around yeah, me. Yeah, big time. Yeah, one of the things I find interesting, you, you say, oh, I, we live in, you live in Manhattan. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've, had, I've been to New York twice. And I, I love it. It's amazing. But it's such a unique place because, you know, you live in Manhattan. Well, East Manhattan and West Manhattan, very different, you know. Town the, versus the, downtown. Yeah, uptown mm -hmm. versus downtown is insanely different. And, you know, even even where like 89th versus 107th, even even you would think, you know, for me in Texas, it was like, oh, you know, that's only like, you know, 10, 15 blocks. How big, how big a difference could that be? And it is significant in how those contexts just change every couple of blocks, whether you go north or south, uh, east yeah. or west. So, yeah, definitely. And I, I would add too, I'm a white female living in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood uptown. And so that has its own perspective too. Um, as I, but I work downtown in the village. And so it's a very different place. So kind of get to see a lot of different sides to the same city. So. That's awesome. Yeah, Austin is probably what everyone thinks Austin is. Um, we have both the privilege and curse of landing on almost everyone's top 10 cities to live in, uh, which because of that, Austin's changing insanely fast. Uh, the culture, uh, and man, if anyone from Austin actually listens to this, uh, <laughs> still like me, uh, be my friend. Uh, 
the the context of Austin 20, 25 years ago was amazeballs. It was so cool, so fun. I loved it. It had a real independent spirit. I mean, Richard Linkletter, Mike Judge, you know, uh, uh, all these guys were, it was just had this independent spirit. And over the last 25 years, you know, as these lists, hey, move to Austin, it's, you know, get out of Silicon Valley and become to the Silicon Hills and all of these different things. So you have all these different influxes of, of different sorts of cultures that are kind of, you know, uh, permeating and creating a new context where if you ask some people, there's like all the Californians are messing it up. And then you've got all the, the, the conservatives are making it, you know, less liberal and all of this, all of this. And so the biggest kind of contextual thing about Austin is it's in flux. Our, our city just seems to be in flux and um, things that you could just count as clockwork in the past is are, are kind of falling apart a little bit. They're losing some of that. And so it's definitely a city that's in change. Uh, we're becoming more and more white, which when I moved here 25 years ago, that blows my mind that that's even possible because Austin was fairly white uh, to begin with. Um, and because of that is because we're, we're becoming more of a middle upper class city where to actually live in the city of Austin, to be a, a middle to lower uh, income family, there's just not a lot of places for you to, 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 to live. Uh, and so those, those spaces are being gobbled up by, you know, um, higher income families and, uh, and even, non-families, you know, dinks, dual income, no kids. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that word. Uh, so we see a lot of that. So uh, as big as our population is, our school district is getting smaller because there are fewer kids and whatever fewer kids that the kids that we do have, they're being sent to private schools uh, and those sorts of things. So it's a unique time uh, in Austin. There's a lot of change. So, so that, so that's our context. So obviously if you're listening to this, you have your own context, you have your own exegesis you're going to do in your own town. And I can only hope and pray that it's vastly different than all of ours. Uh, you can even ask somebody from any one of our contexts, and they're going to have a different kind of perspective. But I think there are general, I don't know, what would you say, cultural trends we can all look at and say, hey, it seems like at least here in the United States, and that's, again, a big part of our context, here are some of the things that we're seeing. You know, here's some of the stuff that that we feel like is the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, right? Um, let me let me throw one out uh, to you. So obviously, the idea of polarization, uh, the idea that we've that we've seemed to be sucked into a competition of binary thinking, you know, this or that, and it only seems to be intensifying. Would you guys agree? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. How do you guys see that happening? Like, what what are some of the ways that you guys see polarization happening? Well, as we record this, we're in the middle of the <laughs> Republican National Convention. The Democratic Convention was last week. And so now until November, it is going to be, it's just going to be more and more, you know, people speaking to their base, whatever that means. And you're going to have one end versus another end. Yeah. And here, I think what I've been seeing on that is most people that I come in contact with have the same idea. Um, here, but that's not the same in middle America. And so my, my social media feeds are definitely screaming both sides of the aisle at each other. So it's been a yeah. 
ready for November to be over. <laughs> it it's won't end there, but. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because uh, I've been trying to diagnose a lot of like, okay, what is social media doing to culture? And I'm pretty sure there's been tons of people trying to figure that out. And the only thing, only image I can come up with is I realized it was, it was a bit of a, a heart check on myself about the way I used to drive. Okay. So uh, example, you're driving, right? And I could be nice to all kinds of people, but I'm driving and somebody cuts me off and all of a sudden I'm like, rah, 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 dirty word, whatever. Right. And I realized that it was really kind of probably a little bit truer to who I was because driving, I am, I'm removed from that person for the most part. I could whatever, say all the things I needed to say because they infringed on me and blah, 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 and whatever. Especially when I started having kids in the cars and they're like, daddy, why do you say that about that person? Well, that person's an idiot. Da, da, da. And I started to realize that the division kind of brought out some characteristics of myself that, that just rose to the top. I feel like social media is doing that, right? It's like, there's no relationship. There's no real consequence. Uh, and I could say what I want. I could throw it, the shots across the bow, however I want to do it. And it only seems to be deepening. Now, I don't want to go into the evils and ills of social media. It's a tool like anything else. But for me, it was like, all right, there's a bit of a gut check here. How am I entering into this? And and how are we, um, I, I, with the polarization, I still go back to the Second Corinthians 5 stuff. And I've been railing on this forever, is that we are to be people of reconciliation, about bringing things together. The polarization of our society is a, is an indication that we as people of faith have failed. <laughs> you know, we are failing at it. So how do we do that? How do we step into that and say, we're to bring people uh, to be, to be to bring people together. Not just, it's, it is, it's, it's a lot about us and God. That's huge. We are about that, that ministry of reconciliation, but it's also us and each other in doing that. Uh, another one that I, I threw out there was, um, and this is the one that we're all tired of is it's, it's the idea of uncertainty. You know, we, the zeitgeist and the culture of our times right now, it's just one of our, everybody has no idea of what tomorrow is now, according to the Bible, not to pull out the Bible, but that's true for all of us at all times. But right now, especially it feels like the, 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 the zeitgeist is just one of like, who knows what's going to be next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that just seems to be at this point it just seems unending where it's just you know it's always ongoing and you know with no um no vaccine in sight at least in my understanding um it's i don't think that's going to change anytime soon um which i think you know even that you, you kind of pull out your bible answer um that, that it's that's that's kind of true all the time you know we never know what's going to kind of happen um, but just with the, the more day to day, we've never, I don't think we've ever as a, as a culture or society been more disrupted, um, by this. And so, yeah, it definitely, you know, puts a, a spin on things and it, and it makes it difficult. And, you know, one of the other, you know, kind of things that I see in the zeitgeist right now is, is anger where I think people are getting angry, which I think uncertainty often leads to anger and, there are people who are frustrated and angry about what's going on. And when people get angry about things, I think it empowers and emboldens people to get angry about other things, which that leads into a whole other aspect of our current culture, which, you know, um, it's, it's hard to speak on, but we, we're just kind of in a, a, a culture of unrest. Uh, 
And so it's tough. It's really difficult. Yeah, uh, as I think about all of those things and kind of where I am, just of the lack of the ability to schedule um, of this is the only time in my whole life I can look around and nobody knows what they're doing next month. They haven't thought about it. They don't know if they're going to leave the city and go upstate or just take a minute out. They haven't planned more than a few weeks in advance. And so even that like scheduling unrest is a little bit like tangible um, around of, and if you plan something, you're probably gonna have to cancel it because we just don't know. And this COVID reality, um, if, if that's gonna be reasonable um, to do. Yeah, says the person who just scheduled, or you said you're going on your Alaska, Alaska trip that you scheduled back in March. Right, you know, in March, I really thought we'd be over it by now. Um, <laughs> I also, you know, cried every day for three months because it was the, the worst, the worst being locked down. Um, so I thought, oh, for sure, by September, for sure, we'll be, you know, open and, and, and good. Um, and, and we're doing better here in, in New York. And so that's great. But um, the reality is we still, you know, I'm going to have to go get a COVID test just to enter the state of Alaska. Um, but here we are. We're going to try it. So. Yeah. I was actually, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good word, Brooklyn, because uh, when you're talking about you can only go two weeks, I... I was actually telling my staff that, or I was talking to my staff about how I, you know, we were a very collaborative planning staff. We like to plan out things. And I'm like, I think the best we could do is two weeks. That's it. You can't look beyond that. You know, it used to be like, Oh, let's plan out this semester. Let's plan out this year. Let's plan out. And I'm like, really just do the best you can for the next two weeks. You can have those ideas and those thoughts, but you're going to have to hold them really loose. Just do the, just do what you can for these next two weeks. And then let's get back together and talk. Yeah, yeah I, I think we could probably sit here for the next hour, uh, which we're not going to, so don't worry. Um, uh, throwing out all these different things that we we notice about culture and, you know, anger. There's definitely a lot of anger out there. A lot of fear is kind of happening. And and over the next handful of uh, roundtable podcasts, we'll we, we'll dig a little deeper into some of those things. But I think right now it might be helpful to kind of ground this conversation uh, in mission, which this is what this podcast uh, podcast is about, is we are a missional people, we're a sent people. So what are the implications uh, for the sent people of God uh, in our current context? And, you know, and yes, the three of us and everyone listening has a unique context, whether you're in Terre Haute, Indiana, or Corvallis, Oregon, wherever, um, we still have a kind of a, a cultural zeitgeist for the country. Because uh, we are so interconnected on the internet and these sorts of communications. So what's the implication? How do we, how do we continually send each other, uh, commission each other into mission in this sort of zeitgeist? We can always just post more, debate more on Facebook and get really on it actively <laughs> online. And we're it. done. Yeah. Thanks for listening <laughs> and let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> ah, just kidding yeah, that is, that's Don't the that. module for forge training is yeah. we're going to do a whole training on how to post more effectively on social media so yeah. you can be on mission yeah hey was it, so my, my my initial gut so just hearing that right because that's where we're going to go so the initial thing i thought was i actually had a conversation today with a friend who who thinks a lot like i do and when this whole you know virus thing hit um, you know, my strength finders are, you know, futurist and strategic and 
I'm always thinking about like, hey, we got to go this way. And so I like, you know, we got to do this, 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 and this, right? But really it was understanding, hey, we had to create a space for people to grieve. All that to say, I think a, a lot of it in this time for me is understanding where people are coming from. So it's not just a cultural zeitgeist, but it's understanding where people are at. Um, I've been revisiting a tool that one of our Forge tribe put out, uh, John Rittner. Uh, he put it out real early in this thing. And it was the, um, what do you call this? It was like the quarantine scale. And it was like, here's the one, two, three, four, five. This is where I'm at in quarantine. In other words, it was, you know, like number one is, ah, I'm not really quarantining. I'm out. I'm hanging out. I'm doing my stuff. Number five is like, I am quarantining. Like I'm shutting my life down. And you had people in between. And it was understanding where people are at in this thing. And I feel like that I'm constantly doing that. Like if I'm going to go visit someone, like I call them, Hey, what is your, what's your family's protocols? Like, do you want me to wear a mask? You want me to stay on the porch, stay six feet away? Like my family, we're constantly evaluating what our protocols are as a family, right? Like what's our quarantine bubble? What is, what do we expect out of them? What are we doing? And I feel like some of the answer is understanding um, and trying to not just impose my version or my vision of what reality is, but understanding what theirs is, understanding where they're coming from. Uh, they're not in a space where they're willing to, to think through this right now. They just need to grieve what they've lost, you know, or no, I, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to, I'm ready to like, let's figure how we're going to help people. Let's figure how we're going to, um, you know, do this thing. Uh, so I think a big part of it is, um, I don't know if the word empathy is there, but I think it's understanding where different people come from and how you move forward in that. Yeah. And it's, I think that's so good. Uh, and that was totally not even on my radar until you said that. Um, I think that the, there's just the skill and practice of listening and listening well, um, which I think that's what, when, when people are uncertain and people are angry, uh, ultimately I think people just want to be heard. They, they want people to understand kind of, hey, here's here's what's going on. Um, and uh, I apologize if the, if you guys can hear the lawn mowing. <laughs> so, nope. Okay, good. Um, yeah, people want to be, people want to be heard. I think that's the key thing. So if we can practice listening really well, that we can take time to sit. And here's when I would throw in proximity. Oh, just be more, we need to have more proximity. There's a challenge with the proximity thing just because we can't. But if we can figure out ways, if we can maybe even use some of that digital energy instead of posting on Twitter and Facebook, we figure out ways to listen, hear what people are trying to say, uh, give people space to, to share and talk. I think that will go a long way. Um, then we'll be, well, I think we'll have a more informed way of responding. Uh, and ultimately, uh, and hopefully, with the, the you know, guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have good news. We'll, we'll have good news to share back. Um, I think ultimately that's, that's the best we can ask for. Yeah, definitely. I think this active listening um, piece is so important um, and to actively listen without an agenda, um, without like a, this is what I'm hoping to do for you in this, but also understanding as sent people that actively listening is exhausting and it actually takes a lot more out of us. And so I think creating space for our own rest and our own um, kind of going back to the gospels and going back to the stories of who Jesus is, has been really important for me as I've like been trying to live this um, recently. 
because it is exhausting, I think, in all the ways for us individually, but also as we try to love our neighbor and our coworker and our friends around us, um, is that importance of, yes, do the hard work of listening, but also do the hard work of pulling back and, and resting. Yeah. yeah, and I think what I've noticed in a lot of this, um, this season that we're in, um, it, it, tell me if you guys saw this, um, you know, Frost, or no, it, was, it was Alan Hirsch talked about um, when this whole thing hit, uh, churches um, uh, basically lost their primary means of being a church, which was the Sunday gathering. Like when we can't gather in large groups, what are we going to do? And so everybody adapted. Everybody sat mm -hmm. down and figured out how to adapt. Oh, let's just throw what we do online, right? I think very few people uh, started to innovate, which was like, let's create something new. And I think the way forward is um, really real. It's starting to realize that we as the kingdom of God, like we as people who are trying to be about the kingdom of God, we are not, okay, I'm sorry, we're not the kingdom of God. We're trying to point and reveal the kingdom of God, be a part of it, participate in it, receive it, all of those things. But I think we can be really creative in that. Um, I think the church is inherently really creative. And I think one of the ways of moving forward is, is letting go of what has always been and, and not holding on to that. I, I was watching something today where the guy was, it was this pastor saying, hey, don't let go of having church on Sunday mornings. Even though we're doing it virtually, you can't let go of having church. Make sure that's a part of your routine, church on Sunday mornings. I'm like, brother, I think there's bigger, bigger fish to fry here. Okay, let's, what if we innovated? What if we got creative and moved in such a way that, um, that says, hey, we're not just going to hold on to these old things. It doesn't mean that the old things are bad. Okay, I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying. doesn't mean Sunday gathering is bad. Okay, I still believe in the Sunday gathering or the gathering of the ecclesia. I still believe in that. Um, there's still power in that. There's still um, goodness in that. But I think we're going to have to do it in different ways. And, and maybe some of this time right now, some of navigating the cultural zeitgeist is innovating and it's getting creative and it's coming up with new ways um, to be the ecclesia, to be on mission, to do all the things that God has called us to do. Um, and not just saying, oh, this is the only way we could do it. We have to like do the Sunday gathering thing. That's it. That's all we could do. Eh, maybe, but maybe there's other things. I don't know. This is me. That's just some of the stuff I was thinking about. Yeah, I think uh, it's important to, to keep that in mind, especially moving forward, because when whenever you face uncertainty, I think it's natural to, to lean on the things you're, you're comfortable with or lean on the things that you're most uh, familiar with. Uh, this is something that you see quite often in, in church planting and pioneering when um, this, that was my story. I, I was a part of churches that did it one way, uh, the typical uh, Western idea of church planting and, and leading and doing church. And it was very Sunday centric, very uh, platform centric and uh, felt God calling me away from that and set out, began to dream and, you know, innovate and think differently. And then uh, got to the point where I was like, all right, it's go time let's let's what's the next three months what's the next six months going to look like and i i put my head down and i went and in six months i put my head up and i realized i just i just flipped back to the old way of thinking uh totally not even intentionally but just you just when things get stressed and you start moving you just are drawn back to that familiar thing and so we totally hear what you're not what you're not saying uh 
Alan, but I think I said that the wrong way. I think whatever. you did. Yeah, we're totally hearing what you're not saying. You mean you're making we're, assumptions yeah, about me? Thanks, thanks, dude. We're judging you now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, we we get what you're saying. This idea that uh, yes, Sunday, uh, the the idea of the the church gathered is super important, and it it won't go away. But how it gathers, what that looks like, that that could be, um, it could be changing, uh, especially with. If the zeitgeist, if, you know, again, one of the, you mentioned earlier, one of the hard things about trying to understand and decipher the current zeitgeist is we're in the middle of it. We have no idea. We only have half the information. So who knows what the next year, the next two years, five years will look like, but what can we do today to be intentional in the midst of all of this? And so I think being empathetic, listening well, uh, not forgetting uh, those that we have been sent to. Uh, one of the things that I've I've noticed is the 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 tendency to to turn inward in times like this, where let's make sure all the sheep are taken care of, which is important. We need to make sure the pen is is healthy, that the, the ninety nine are solid. But can we go look for the one that's lost? And so keeping that, uh, keeping our neighbors and our coworkers and those people, keeping those uh, the, those those guys and gals in our minds as we continue to to be on mission is super important. Yeah. So as we kind of wind down uh, today's conversation, you know, I, I think it's, it's important to think through and reflect on, you know, what, what, what is, what's, what's our next steps and what's most important. And so, you know, what do you, what do you guys think, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we move on? How do we, what's the new normal for us in this culture? I think something that just keeps coming to mind throughout our conversation is this question of what is good news for my context um, and really important for me in this time of um, to know the answer to the good news from my context. I also have to be engaged with the people in my context and learning, you know, what good news is for my neighbor is actually usually good news for me too. Um, and so it's this really beautiful uh, kind of what Alan, you were saying on reconciliation earlier. It's it's bringing things together and um, pointing pointing people back to to the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's that's what we're all about. So that's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I, I love that that idea of you know putting the world back together. I think that's what that's ultimately what our purpose is is that we get to participate in that that beautiful work. Um, so no matter what the culture is, and that's that's the beautiful thing. It's that's a universal calling. So whether you're context, and you know, if you somehow listen to this podcast, and you're in the one part of the world where you're not infected by COVID and everything's normal, it doesn't change, right? We all have that same calling. We all have that that we're, we all get to participate in, in, in helping God put the world back to the way He intended it to be. And so can we be good news? Can we bring good news? And can we be reconcilers? And so that's beautiful. Well, I think uh, that's probably enough for today. Thank you guys for jumping on the call. Over the next uh, handful of weeks, we're gonna continue this conversation uh, just because it's, it's, it's what we're dealing with. I mean, the culture doesn't change, culture is important. Uh, and so we wanna be mindful of that and hopefully provide some inspiration and some challenge the way that we're thinking about how we interact with culture. Uh, the one thing I do know is that we shouldn't run from this. We shouldn't isolate from this. Uh, we shouldn't go create our own bubble. 
uh, that goodness, we've, we, we hopefully we're, we're beyond those days of creating the bubble. And so the NBA created a bubble and it looks like it's about to burst, but uh, no more Christian bubbles. So let's, let's uh, engage culture, be mindful of it, and then let's be the let's let's be the the good news people in that culture. So, any final thoughts? No, that's good. Looking forward to where this is going to take us. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're excited about season two, and so if you listen on iTunes or Spotify, uh, please rate us, uh, recommend us, and share. Uh, with the people who you might think uh, would benefit from uh, a podcast as this. So uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thanks, guys.